thanks to Cry Malt. This is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News. And as ever, as always, one more time, I'm joined with my good friend, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. One more time. It, it sounds a bit final. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm sure you uh, meant that in a different uh, context. And once oh, again, that's And once again, I'm joined by my good friend, colleague, and all round good beer guy, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. Uh, thanks very much, Matt. Um, g'day, listeners. Good to be back. Matt, how you been? How you been? Yeah, very well. Very well. Yeah. Uh, you been festing last weekend or is that this weekend coming up? Uh, a couple of weekends. Um, we've got, uh, yeah, the Bendigo Craft Beer Festival and a couple of weeks ago was uh, was Geelong. Um, both, again, yeah, magnificent. Um, well, we're hoping for really good weather for um, for Bendigo, which will be lovely. More a boutique kind of uh, affair compared to some of the, the bigger ones. Um but I think the, the thing that Benigo has uh, as a small regional sort of town, and, and hopefully this kind of spreads to uh, other small regional towns around the country, is that um, the brewers tend to enjoy it because there's a, a bit more of the get it factor. Um, you're more likely to bump into, you know, or, you know say visit a, a few um, potential new accounts and, and sign them up. Whereas some of the others, it's sort of, oh yeah, we had the craft beer thing on one day, but you you you're hard pressed getting that sort of beer the other three hundred and sixty four days of the year. Right, right, okay. Which I think is something uh, that um, that uh, yeah, it's, it's probably if we're going to keep doing um, if if the beer festival concept keeps growing uh, or maintaining its momentum, I think it's something that we need to uh, to sort of look at. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, you know, I had an experience on the weekend. I was out at Stanthorpe, which is uh, Queensland, New South Wales border, but two hours inland. <coughs> and, uh, you know, lovely. It's uh, where... Good farming country out that way, isn't it? Um, yeah, apples and grapes. So really good winery region. Um, they have apples, mm. uh, stone fruits, that sort of thing. It's you know, almost a thousand metres up, so nice, cool weather climate. Um but gee, I've been out there a few times in the last couple of years, and it's a sort of place that you don't, you know, you've got a couple of bottle shops, a lot of pubs, and uh, could never really get craft beer. You might get, you know, 150 lashes or whatever. And I was out there, just rocked into a, uh, you know, one of those big banner um, group um, chains. It wasn't one of the Dan's, it was one of the independent ones, yeah. but it was, you know, yep. one that you really wouldn't expect to get craft beer in. Thirsty Rock Bottle in and- celebration kind of. That sort of thing, yep. and uh, yeah, so I walked in, and you know, they had four pines, stone of wood. Um, you know, they had, they did have the big names. They had the Yender and all of those sorts of things. Oh, but uh, yeah, no, they, it was so it was good to see, and uh, certainly getting out um, there. And you know, I, last year I did a couple of things out at Roma, which is six hours west of Brisbane. Cattle and, country, uh, out there, that? cattle country, real, very much cattle country, cattle country. And uh, I, on the way out, there's a bit of you know coal seam gas and. Things like that. So, yeah, I'm suffering a bit through the drought, but uh, I went out a couple of times last year and each time more and more momentum. You know, you started to get a couple of beers on, on tap and I've been invited out twice in the first half of the year. So, in, invited to present at their, um, you know, the, the show, um, which is one of the feeders, you know, one of the, the, the regional um you know ag shows and uh then also going up to present at their easter event so yeah so it, it is great to see that some of these we are starting to get uh you know what lily ponds or lily pads that we are yeah. jumping from uh you know you, yeah. you can actually travel you don't have to sort of stay at home base but the other thing too um, i think you've touched on there matt is that uh we're finding more and more particularly i guess through our experience you know with roma um and and again with the air car that I, I think there's a bit of a too hard basket for the you know, the old rusted on 4X guys. Yeah, there's no no point really. You know, they're they're never going to change. But in a lot of ways, they're the ones who are actually kind of you know we're finding they're the ones bringing their mates back. Yeah, these these blokes I told you about. You know, they only ever drink whatever you know ABC brand. Um, get them get them into a hot pog or something. You know, like they it's it's as much well not as much them as it is the the younger ones. But there's certainly less of the resistance. To changing to craft beer, but absolutely. Look, I, you know, it's one of those things that we are starting to see, and you know, you, you can sort of talk about that there there was a fad or a flash in the pan, or you know, just that that sort of first wave where there's an excitement, and that is really starting to broaden out into some you know broad appeal. And I, you know, 
we've talked ad nauseum over the over the years about you know the the thin edge of the wedge and the you know the the, the excitement generating beers you know the sort of sour beers are so big at the moment barrel aging and you know crazy ingredients in beers and that's always going to be i think at the pointy end of the market um it's creating excitement and it does you know drag the rest of the market but i think that we are going to see the you know battle and which is a nice segue to our interview today over you know brewers having a story versus those that have a brand if that's a fair distinction. It's probably not a great distinction, but no, know, no. Um, brewers, we're, we're... brewers with a story versus brewers telling a story. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, there, there is a real difference. Um, in, and and in Matt, price. we should point out there's a there's a fine line to before we get into our interview with Ben. There is still a, there's a fine line between you know marketing your brand and and um, and creating an interest in your brand and leading somebody to believe that it is something that it's not. So we should point out exactly. there, you know it, 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 plenty of brewers have a uh, a well, a well-told story behind their their beer, um, and, and it's not necessarily a, a bad thing. Absolutely, and then just, there, are, there are a lot of because I know a lot of I know a lot of people who do marketing and love marketing and, and earn a living out of marketing who listen to us regularly. So I, I like to you know just wave the banner for them every now and then. Absolutely, and you know it's uh, I, I, I take that point, and I guess there there is an element of marketing where it's. There is a, an element of deception about it, or trying to, you know, dress your product in what people are looking for, and try and tell them, you know, these are the droids yeah. you're looking for. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and there is a little bit of that Obi Wan thing. Um, and without without lying, main... yeah, without lying, they're they're conveniently omitting relevant areas of the truth. Yeah, and and, and words, just just the use of words. I mean, words can be very hard to pin down precise meanings for, and which, again, is we'll be going into with uh, our interview with Ben today. Um, speaking of words, uh, I copped a bit of a hiding on Facebook this week, or last week, uh, this, this week, um, when I uh, posted something uh, about BrewDog um, releasing their um, cookbook um, to much acclamation. Yes, yeah, tossing out the keys to the kingdom for free. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. So anyone that saw it, I just sort of made a bit of a point. You know, it's great that uh, BrewDog have done this. You know, that for, for those that haven't kept up on the news, BrewDog have put out all of the recipes for all of their beers, which is a fantastic thing, has created a lot of excitement in uh, homebrew circles. Um, and justifiably, it's a great initiative. Um, but as is often the case with BrewDog, it's done with a certain degree of hype and fanfare that maybe exceeds the importance of what the thing actually is. Um, and again, that's very, very subjective. Um, but yeah, and so I just sort of thought, well, here we go again. And it was just hype fest everywhere that I was looking, you know, it was, you know, Brewdog, Unreal, Unreal, Unreal. And it is very, very good. But let's but. not get away from the fact that they haven't invented home brewing. They haven't invented uh, home, you know, brew recipes. Um, or any of those sorts of things. And they've essentially released a cookbook, um, you know, a very well-guided cookbook. And, you know, that's fantastic. They're not the first brewers to open source their beer or, you know, release recipes in the process or anything. They've just gone, as BrewDog does, you know, whole hog into it. And I, I just made the point that, you know, whilst they were talking about they've released the keys to the kingdom um, by giving their recipes, you know, maybe the keys to the BrewDog kingdom are actually their ability to generate the hype that they created over the, uh, you know, over things like this. Or, or um, high, and, high, le high levels of interest in their, in their doings might be a... a... Oh, no, look, I, I, I think hype. And, you know, and so I had a couple of people, uh, you know, describing the post as angry or, you know... Um, and and it, look, it, it probably it's, was because it was... Yeah, I think there was a... Yeah, I, I think probably that it was more about the method than the message um, was, um, was the Oh, no, I think the it was the words was as well. Um, and, and look, it was a 25 word, you know, just, you know, one, one of those things that, you know, maybe was more deserving of a lengthy explanation than just a 25 word, you know, you know, they haven't really done anything new or interesting. And, you know, their shameless hype generator is really the keys to the kingdom um, may have been a little bit too quick. And so it came across as being a little bit pointed, which I, I mean, it was pointed, but it wasn't angry. Um, and uh, so, there, yeah, there was a whole discussion about, you know, oh, you know, cookbooks, you know, chefs actually sell their cookbooks and uh, they've given this away. And um, But, 
again, to follow my shameless hype generator um, line of thought, James, uh, Brewdog James has recently released a book talking about you know, their approach to um, marketing, which he's selling. And to me, that is actually the keys to the Brewdog kingdom. Um, that is the real cookbook. Um, for Brewdog success, where he goes through, um, you know, restating multiple times the same thing about, you know, how, you know, creating a crusade where there isn't, you're not selling beer, you're starting a revolution. Um, and he was basically describing how they do manage to completely over, well, that, that's a bit subjective, but they do manage to hype everything that they do and generate so much free coverage because of their ability to create hype. And then, and I guess that was the point that I was making. Um, and you know, look, I. To, to, to be fair, I'm not an unbridled fan of Brewdog. Um, you know, I, I... Oh, it, it's fair to say there, there there are no people out there in the beer world who are ambivalent towards Brewdog. There there are either you know, um, yeah, like you say, acolytes, or there are um, you know, they're the Antichrist. Yeah, and look, and I, look, it's just one of those things that I'm I'm in both camps because they create a lot of interest. You know, they do a lot of um, you know, the beer is certainly you know improved over the years um, and is very consistent. They're making some great beer, um, very exciting, all of those sorts of things. But then I look at this whole other thing, and, and you know, I, I guess my career in you know radio brews news and in beer writing is being a bit of a cynic um, when it comes to the marketing and the hype because I think that that has the potential to damage as much as it does to help. Um, and when you go overboard, it can damage. And I just, yeah, I, I, you know, I think this whole thing of brew punks when they've got a substantial holding from equity, you know, um, it, you know from in professional investors um, that they've sold at a much lower value than their, uh, you know, some people described it as scamming, you know, this equity for punks because they're charging lay investors far more um, per share than they're selling shares of Brewdog to professional, you know, uh, you know, equity companies that, to all intents and purposes, aren't you know the complete opposite of punk. And uh, you know, over the last week, we've seen Brewdog um, tweeting about, uh, you know, hey, Mr. Big Brewer, stop coming to see us. We we're not for sale. Stop asking. You know, um, as if. Big business is only confined to, you know, the evil of big business is only confined to big brewers, whereas, you know, uh, you know, you know merchant banks or, you know, whatever equity partnerships, whose business is exactly the same making money, um, you know, isn't vastly different. Um, but anyway, no doubt we'll uh, generate some cards and letters over that prof. Yeah. So the, the lesson from this, matter is next time, just put a little, like a little winky face on the <laughs> yes, emoticon yes. or so after, you know. <laughs> Hey, hey, you know, because hey, actually, well, you know, it was the tenor. The tenor, I, the tenor of your argument can sometimes be misconstrued. But, but well, well done, well there, done. There, for, there's a know, lot of putting it out yeah. there. Oh, look, and I think anyone that listens to um, Radio Brews News, you know, where you hear the sort of rambled uh, long versions of it, um, you know, probably realizes that there is a lot of thought that goes into them, even if you know when it's reduced to 25 words, it can. You know, be a little bit um, acerbic. Yeah. Yeah. Just, 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 just yeah. for next time, Matt. Just little brackets with MK after. <laughs> okay, just so that I don't. You know, oh, geez, just so no, mate, you're a bit harsh. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 that's fair enough. It was not. Hey, actually, it funnily enough, it was, <laughs> it was the first day of the uh, Facebook um, emoticons that were more than just likes. And uh, it was interesting to see that some people used the laugh um, button. Um, no one that I can recall used the hate button or the you know the the anger button, um, oh, which was interesting. Right. So there, there was a lot of there, look. There, there was a lot of um, discussion aimed at me, which is fair enough. But uh, um, yeah. Anyway, speaking uh, of honesty, and, uh, you know, and clarity and um, and transparency, should we uh, should we throw to our first guest? Absolutely. Uh, ben Krause, um, who you know, has been a frequent... I, I think he's also featured in some lost episodes, Prof, because I know that we've spoken to him probably a little bit more than he's showing up in our feed. Yeah, um, possibly. But, it was definitely yeah, yeah, episode three of Radio Brews News, way back when. Um, yeah, Ben was one of our, our first guests. And has always been, we should point out, you know, very accommodating and, and more than happy to sort of to have a chat. And always interesting to um, to hear his... Uh, his thoughts and his views. 
You know, and you know, I'm an unashamed uh, fan of Ben um, because to me he represents so much of the good around craft beer. You know, uh, you know, right down to some of the things that I think probably other people don't think about or or just don't care about or don't think has any real relevance is. But you know, he's a professional brewer. He you know is out um, you know, regularly with uh, you know beer tastings and events and all of those sorts of things. And yet he, if there was a, you know, a serious fireman's calendar for um, brewers, yeah, he'd be on it. He's fit, um, you know, he cycles uh, hundreds of kilometres a day and he, you know, he's a poster boy for beer, a beer lifestyle. It doesn't have to be an unhealthy lifestyle, not yeah, just, yeah. You know, yeah. So, so which, I, which is something that's really important to me in terms of changing that perception of beer. You know, I think there is a lot of people reveling in their... Uh, Overconsumption of beer, and Ben certainly doesn't do that. You know, he really is a you know a, a poster child for all of the positives uh, about beer. And uh, as we're going to talk a little bit about some of those positives about the business behind the um, idea of craft or independence or whatever bag you want to put a brewery like Bridge Road in. So let's hear from uh, Ben himself. We wanted to have a bit of a chat to you today because last week you uh, announced um, your intention to step up the what you see as an authenticity campaign, um, launching uh, a series of labels talking about where um, and how uh, your beers are brewed. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I guess you guys are probably have, have the most documentation of, um, of discussions with me uh, on the subject of, of labelling and, and craft beer. And I think even way back when, when uh, we had a discussion with Adam Tripp-Smith um, together about uh, you know what differentiates a brewery that has bricks and mortar and their own brewing equipment and, and manages the day-to-day things that, that are associated with running a brewery um, as opposed to a, to a, a beer brand where um, they have different challenges, um, perhaps some the same or generally uh, I guess I see the bricks and mortar brewing having having the same challenges as a as a brand that gets their beer made somewhere else, plus all the extra challenge of, of managing staff and, and investing in the equipment and um, managing ferments and brewing beer, the, the, whole, the whole point of making beer, actually making it. Um, so I guess stemming from that and other conversations we've had, we sort of wanted to communicate well to people that, um, that we actually do those things. We, we certainly value them and we feel consumers... Um, value, uh, I think that's been part of the discussion. Some people claim they, they value only the what's in the bottle. Um, they probably prize that, place that pretty highly up the, the chain of, of wants and needs, but um, I think uh, craft beer consumers also put a, put a high value on, on the provenance of their beer, um, country it was made in, the ingredients used, um, and the story behind it and the location it comes from. So. Um, I think, think people appreciate transparency and honesty and all those things when they when they pay a premium for a premium product, um, and we just really felt it was it was important to communicate we we do those things that we think consumers expect from craft beer. Um, maybe it highlights that that some others don't, but the main thing is we want people to have confidence in our brand, um, and and that's why we put it on there. And I should for no for those who haven't seen it yet, it's a it's a logo uh, that says respecting the craft, um, and it says uh, brewed in house, independently family owned, and authentic, real, honest, um, which signifies uh, how Bridge Road uh, positions itself. Yeah, I guess it. Um, we looked at what all our values are. We I spent every time I met someone this year, or did a we hired a fair few new staff. Every time we did a job interview, I asked them what um, Bridge Road meant to them and what our brand meant, because it's really hard having uh, developed a brand. Um, you'd think I'd have the best knowledge of the brand, but being in it for 10 years, it's hard to know what it looks like from the outside. There's no way of separating yourself and seeing how people see your brand. Um, so we're really just trying to get an idea of what people thought of us and how they perceived us when they when they were out on the street. Um, and also what our own thoughts were about what we wanted from craft beer, um, and then looked at also when our beers on the shelf in, a, a, say, a national liquor chain next to some other beers, um, what uh, particularly competing uh, at, at 
different price points as well. So other beers um, perhaps made by a large corporation um, smashing us on price. How can we differentiate ourselves? Apart from making great beer on the packaging, how can we show people, hey, we are all those things that we value and we think you value too. Um, so we've worked a while on trying to get those ideas together. Um, being family-owned, um, there's a number of breweries uh, in Australia that can claim being family-owned. Many of the competitors on the shelf in bottles, uh, particularly in national liquor chains, probably can't claim that, so that's a big point of difference um, that we wanted to highlight. Um, brewing in-house uh, perhaps is, a, is another point of difference from, from many of the beers on the shelf, 100% um, brewed in-house. There, there may be some brewers that get um, part of it because demand's so high, they, they farm out production. Um, we, we sort of want it to be our goal and, and as part of our values is to keep production in-house and, and I guess drive employment and, and create opportunities in our in our small hometown and, and we think people value that so that's why we put that on there um, and the third one about being authentic real and honest is just trying to um, to but there are our values and, and what we strive to to achieve and and we think they're appreciated um, anyone can put that on there so a, a big brewer could put that on their their packaging um, a brewer that doesn't brew in-house could put those words on their packaging um, but we just think it, it was important to mention those things because it lines up with the other two things we're talking about and really drives home the message um, that, you know, what we're about. This initiative uh, in some ways mirrors an initiative that uh, BAMI, the uh, Victorian Association of Microbrewers, uh, brought out last year, which was the handcrafted local beer. And I, I think we spoke at the time and you weren't wholeheartedly endorsing that, but you at the same time you didn't. Um, dismiss it in, in any way. Is this because you were unsatisfied with the underlying message of the of the handcrafted local beer um, tag? I, not a, not at all. The underlying message. I think the underlying message was pretty sound. I just don't know it communicated what we'd hoped it, it, it could communicate or should communicate. Um, and I think the the big challenge that you know that everyone faced was how do you how do you verbalise all those things and how do you make it. Um, how do you make it uh, clear to people what you're talking about, uh, which is why we didn't go for one symbol, we went for three, um, because we just found it really challenging. And, and trying to think of the words around authenticity that that not everyone can claim. I think, you know, that what, what I perceive as being craft or what I perceived as being craft beer um, was quickly changed when what I perceived non-craft Brewers um, started using it, so um, you know my perception of it uh, is undermined straight away. When if if I think a craft beer should be made um, by in a certain way by a certain size company, um, and that all changes, then that word no longer means the same anymore. So so just trying to find a, a word that you can hold on to. Um, indie maybe independent seems to be the new word that's being used a lot. Um, to separate uh, large corporations from independent because uh, a large corporation can't say indie, um, or they can, but uh, they'd be silly to. Um, so I think you know the the Vami challenge was communicating that authenticity thing as being something that really signifies that the beer with that that mark um, is made by a certain ethos or, or understanding of what what they think a brewery is um, and th that's probably why we didn't go down that path rather develop our own um, points of communication I guess. And, and that was one of the uh, issues that we grappled with at the time they brought out for example you know Mountain Goat was proudly displayed on on that label and you know Mountain Goat uh, champions of the craft beer movement and the wave but whether independent handcrafted local beer still applied to a brewery where the vast production was being made in a brewery owned by a brewery that, you know, Asahi, which couldn't, for example, put that label on its own beers. And actually, I'm on their website now and I notice that Mountain Goat is still there despite being 100% owned now by Asahi. So maybe they need to update that website. Um, but at the same time, I'm looking at, uh, you know, as you look down the, the list of breweries on that uh, handcrafted website, you see, for example, Mornington Peninsula Brewery. Fantastic brewery, small, 
um, you know, making amazingly good beers that fit, you know, definitely fit the definition of craft. But we, we've spoken to them in the past, and there is a significant number of shareholders in the business. Um, so, do you differentiate? But what you're doing as family-owned as being different to, you know, maybe someone uh, like Mornington that has a, has a big shareholding. Is that where? It, you know, would Mornington still be independent, for example? Or yeah, you know, I think Google so. Suck I, it? I, but I, but I guess you know, if if someone values the company being uh, being family-owned and and sort of want to put their money towards that company over another, that's one point of difference we have. Um, it's certainly not the aim of it. Certainly isn't to differentiate ourselves from Mornington or um, you know any point of difference is nice as, as the market becomes tighter and and more players um, join into craft beer. Then then definitely anything you can do to to make yourself stand out is important. Um, but that's definitely not where it's aimed at. It's probably more there might be some some larger larger companies entering the market more recently. Um, that are trying very hard to look very small and very quirky and independent. Um, you know, some of them trying really hard to make it look like they're a grass, grassroots sort of movement from from a country town or something like that, um, when in fact the major backers you, are multinational. You wouldn't be talking about Yenda, for example. Yeah, well, maybe that could be a good example of, you know, of a company we'd like to differentiate ourselves from. We don't look too dissimilar on a shelf. Um, uh, even even as much as um, they had a really good idea as we did about communicating hop and malt profiles, um, you know. So what's the difference to a consumer between perhaps that product and Bridge Road when they walk into a shop, apart from four dollars cheaper a six pack? Um, you know, if if that six pack, um, if our six pack is family owned and independent, maybe that would convince someone to to consider our beer over someone else's. You know, if another beer had Coca-Cola written on it, would you would you buy it? Maybe not. You know, so that's not going to happen. So what can we do to um to to point out what you know what we do is different and perhaps give people the choice to decide what they put value on. And, and when we spoke about this right at the beginning of the uh, Radio Brews News uh, podcast, uh, I I very clearly remember you saying, you know, if it doesn't matter, you know, big brewers love to tell you it doesn't matter who makes their beer or where. But if it doesn't matter, they go to why really don't they tell you? extraordinary lengths to, uh, to make sure you don't know. And, and, and that's where, you know, like on, on one level, you, you look at the guys, like we, 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 I've met the brewers um, at Yenda, you know, lovely guys, very passionate about uh, beer. They're making some very, you know, qualitatively great beers. You know, they're probably not the most adventurous of the style or the most extreme in terms of flavours, but qualitatively, they're, they're very good beers. Um, but they don't seem to be wanting to rest on the laurels of of that. And they, they do seem to want to, you know, they've got their little hand-painted caravan that they take out. They talk about their small little, uh, you know, um, brewery in a small little country town. But don't talk about, you know, they also ride the coattails of things like Maker's Mark and, you know, they, they've got a water business and that when their beers are being sold in, they're, they're part of this big portfolio of multinational brands at the same time that... You know, it takes nothing away from the quality of the beer, but it does take a little bit of uh, from their claims of being this small little underdog in the beer market. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting approach too. Uh, it's my first... I don't know much about... I haven't studied marketing. Um, deconstructed marketing approach I've ever seen. Um, so I either, there's, there's a big budget for marketing, but the approach is definitely to make it look like it was... Um, it was done on a small budget, um, and my guess is that the progression of that will be um, building the brand into a into a, a smoother, stronger brand over time. Which may be trying to paint the picture of this business has grown, and now we can afford marketing. Um, you know, which is which is really interesting and, and uh, probably a smart way of doing things. Um, so I, I watch it with much interest, but. Um, yeah, they take nothing away from the beers. I just think, you know, we need to call out our differences and and I think consumers, you know, in personal experience, would look at that beer differently if they if they knew some more info about it and, and maybe by us talking about what we do, they might consider asking some questions or having a look. Um, but I think the bigger the bigger picture that, that I'm more worried about and 
and I, I put it to to um, Craft Brewers Industry, Industry Association, and we probably discussed it before in in that transparency and labelling. Um, if 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 it continues to get blurred and we let you know, or it's already been done with craft, just let the what what we have as a a really um, a product that can differentiate differentiate itself in a beer market. So we've got a beer market that's shrinking, but there's a whole section of that beer market that's growing. If we let that get blurred into just beer by um, allowing, you know, false misleading or, or not allowing, just accepting false and misleading leading labelling, it has the potential to really undermarket, under sorry, undermine the whole the whole industry. If we undermined all consumers' confidence in craft beer and and they lose lose faith in you know, oh, I've got no idea with that brand. I haven't seen it before. Or it's probably made by a massive company, and that's not what I'm into. Um, I don't want to do that. I'll just buy this beer. Or they're all made by a big company. Who cares? Just buy the cheapest one and be done with it. You know, let's take away the the points of differences. Um, oh, I, I worry that that's that's a bigger case. You know, that that whole industry gets undermined a little bit and a little bit more, um, and and then you know, we've got nothing to protect anymore. So. I think that's a that's a, a bigger picture issue that that the industry should take more seriously. Um, the number crunchers in, in the big companies don't care about that sort of thing. They need market share. They need it now. They need returns. They need them now. They want to be part of the growing segment of the market that's shrinking and you know all those things. Uh, you know, it's not longevity of the craft beer industry probably isn't in their industry interest. And, and I guess that's uh, you know where. where things get really complicated because we, we seem to be moving away from this idea that craft beer has any meaning because, you know, anyone can be a craft brewer depending on how they brew or how they're viewed or it's a market that decides these things. Um, but when you start talking about things like independence, um, independence is, is a word that can easily uh, disappear as well, um, depending on how it's interpreted. And then that's why, you know, it's, it's always very difficult when you single out a brewery as a case study. but. I mentioned Mornington on one hand, you know, it's a whole lot of small shareholders. I think most people would still accept that they're independent, even though they have a, you know, diversified ownership structure. But then you've got a brewery like, for example, uh, Brewdog, um, that, you know, very famously uh, markets itself as beer punks and, you know, these crazy out there guys of, of the beer world. And yet they sold a significant, um, my understanding is they sold a significant share to venture capitalists. Um and you know, whilst venture capitalists may not actually be one of the big multinational breweries, does you know they're a business that is purely about making money, not about making beer? And they've seen a business like Brewdog as a way to do that. Do we start? You know, if Brewdog uh, call themselves independent, does that start to blur the the, the definition of um, what independent is? Yeah, well, it, I guess it depends on. On how how the individual person feels independent, what independence means, or it's the same with craft. What you know, what you think craft is might be different from what I think craft is. But I think maybe that's why we went with independently family owned. Um, that's pretty hard to blur the lines on that. Um, sure, there might be some cases, like you said, if you look at individual case studies. Um, so you know, when we talked about what makes us different, 100% in-house brewed, not just in-house brewed, because you can brew 20 litres in-house and do the rest somewhere else, um, and, and being independently family-owned, putting that family word in there. Um, I don't know, I guess someone could blur the lines and say, well, there's many families that are independent and they're all part of the shareholder portfolio. Um, but, yeah, I guess they're two things that we, we think others probably, unless they actually are doing it, wouldn't claim. And I should stress, you know, look, I, I think that this is a fantastic initiative that really does clearly state what you guys stand for. And Bridge Road is one of the breweries that really does sort of, you know, nail its values to, to the wall, um, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. I guess I'm just sort of looking at, you know, what the other, you know, as you gradually move away from your very clearly defined uh, meanings, how, you know, when everyone takes that half step forward, it can be very hard to identify that, you know, at what point that lines are crossed and independence no longer means anything. But, uh, Prof, did you want to weigh in? Yeah, I was just going to ask, um, Ben, it might seem uh, amazing to, 
when you put it in numbers, but it was 74 episodes of Radio Brews News Ago that we first started talking about. Not that we've continued talking about it since. Um, but back then, uh, you had, I think, two or three employees, um, probably including Maria. Yep. Nowadays, we're, we're looking at, you know, you're over 30. Uh, what's the biggest difference, I guess, in, in that time? And what's the biggest threat? Is it um, the emergence of, I guess, people... Not dishonest labelling, but less than uh, genuine labelling, or is it the supermarket brands that uh, I guess a lot of people are being tricked into buying, thinking that they're uh, inverted commas true craft or or independent, or, or is it uh, the bigger um, multinationals buying the small craft breweries? We want the the points that we're communicating to be positive and and talking about our values and what we do strongly rather than too much about finger pointing and what's wrong with an industry because the industry is really strong and everything's going well and you know as you mentioned we've grown significantly uh over the last what was it 74 76 episodes 74 episodes yeah 74 episodes so we've we've continued to grow and prosper and we will continue and so will the industry um i guess we're just just really sort of fortifying our position and our stance and our take on things um rather than being overly concerned about threats. So I do worry about the, the whole craft beer industry sort of, you know, uh, under the, under threat of being discounted or diminished or the value of it or the importance of it um, just because there are some larger, you know, chains or brands or, or companies that are, that are jumping into the market ahead of um, some of the, the smaller craft, craft breweries, uh, probably ahead of them having a chance to grow. Um, I think there's some big differences. I mean, we always look to the US um, market and how they've prospered and grown so so well, and, and now there's big challenges coming to their industry from the big guys coming in and, and buying buying up um, smaller brands, which those smaller brands are pretty bloody big if you compare them to here. Um, I think a big difference we'll notice here is the, the potential the market was seen much sooner. So there's only, you know what I'd call, if we looked at indie craft breweries, including um, the ones you mentioned before, but probably excluding those owned by Lion and um, Lion and Coke and, uh, and SAB, um, we're, we're still a really, really small percentage of the Australian beer market. Um, I don't know what it would be, but 1% or 2% less um, that, that don't fit into Squires or Matilda Bay um, side of things. Um, and already we're seeing more ingress from, from the big guys buying smaller breweries or, or creating new brands. Supermarkets have got their own brands. I think that happened much later in the States, and by that time, those original brewers who were all about the beer, let's say, um, everyone wants to make money, but their, their primary focus, even when they talk now, is the beer. So a good example was when, um, when the guys from Brooklyn were over and they talked about their, their things. We look at Stone, Dogfish Head, um, Sierra Nevada, the, the growth they had was sort of allowed to happen before the um, smart business guys realised, in the beer industry, realised the potential of the market. Um, now Australian businesses has already seen what's happened there and predicting it's going to happen here, but maybe things won't happen that way because um, big businesses jumped on it much sooner before it's had its potential to grow organically from grassroots brewers who whose main focus was producing a beer that's better than the stuff the big guys were doing. That was the whole reason for the industry being in the first place. Um, so, yeah, yeah, there's some interesting changes. I don't, know, I don't know if it answers your question about threats, but I guess that's, that's a picture I'm trying to paint. The industry's strong, it's great, it's fantastic, and we're continuing to grow. Um, the reason for our, our icons is to, or our symbols, is to differentiate ourselves and, and give consumers confidence that, you know, if, if they, if the driver, and it's all back to the consumer and what they want, if they don't think our symbols are worth anything, we won't see any change. But if they put put value on the things we put value on, um, it gives them the opportunity to have confidence in our brand and, and, and buy our brand knowing that that's what they're going to get. You raise an interesting point there, Ben, and it's something that I've mentioned uh, before, and that's a lot of people want to say that our market is going to continue to grow because you look at, say, the American market um, and how much growth that they've got. 
but all of our advances seem to be happening. You know, the American craft beer industry has been growing for you know more than thirty years since Sierra Nevada first. Uh, you know, is Sierra Nevada is probably the start. I look at um, you know two thousand about being the time that our market really started to to, to gear up when we saw breweries like uh, Little Creatures. Yeah, little I know Creatures there are some. Is, uh, Sierra Nevada, I guess. Even the the yeah. beer style that 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 made both of those breweries really popular. Uh, you know, the same style, exactly the same style of beer. And I know that there were some craft breweries operating before that, but that seems to be the the, the watershed um, market. But we've seen our growth much happen much more quickly than the US because we're following the trends and people identified the trends that were going on in the States. But as you point out, that also means that the threats that the small brewers are going to have are going to occur much more quickly because the bigger brewers or the bigger businesses that see this as a desirable space. They have the benefit of hindsight from the US market, which the US market didn't have the benefit of hindsight because no one else had done that before. So so, that, so those small brewers were given lot, lots more slack in the market, I guess, before it was realised that the potential that, that they've obviously proved was, was in existence, whereas here they're saying, OK, that's going to happen, um, so let's jump on it now rather than wait like like happened in the states um but like i said if you if you filter out indie or independent brewers out of the craft beer numbers in australia i'm sure the market share is minuscule compared to what it's stated as being you know the percentage of the craft beer market because we include you know the the, the two big players that, that control much of the beer market the other thing that prof mentioned was that you guys now employ 25 30 staff um, so, so in, in a town like Beechworth, you would be a significant employer, um, and we've seen, you know, Beechworth Bakery is, is one of those uh, success stories that is often trumpeted uh, nationally um, for taking a small little bakery and making it a major tourist attraction. Are you finding that you're getting that sort of, you know, kudos um, for, for your local government and even the state government as a, you know, as a significant industry driver in the area? You know, we are better recognised, obviously, than we were 10 or 11 years ago. Um, we do employ a number of people. Um, I, I guess we, we're part of, uh, you know, we, tourism and, and food, wine, now beer tourism is a, a big part of, uh, of our region. So um, along with uh, Bright Brewery are probably um, the others that are, that are pretty well known in the area. So we definitely get... Um, if there's a media for mill uh, coming to town um, where people want to see what's available, we're definitely on the on the go-to list now in Beechworth. Um, Beechworth Honey is a, is another really strong um, independent company that's that's you know done all the battles before in in supermarket chains and have established themselves really well. And they have a visitor centre in town, or they actually have two. Um, so that's another another success story in Beechworth. So um, yes and no. It's still a struggle, you know. We we have a really strong um, local tourism body. We're we're lucky in our region, and it connects. I think four shires or five shires together, and they pull their funds. And um, we have a really clear strategy around um, marketing tourism and drawing people to the region. Um, the High Country Brewery Trail is part of that, so that includes Black Dog Brewery and, and Sweetwater and Bright and ourselves, um, and soon Rutherglen Brewery. Um, but it, sometimes they need reminding uh, that. It's a food, wine, and beer region. Um, every now and then, the, the email comes out for food and wine, or, or mistakenly, the which um, the, I mentioned, um, we'd like to get some million for it for our event, and then you have to reply and say, "Do you mean beer?" And they say, "Yeah, that's what I meant to say." So there's there's still a little way to go, but but definitely, um, you know, I think we we we're well represented in Beechworth. And in the region, we've, um, I think, in the past, I've probably been guilty of, of being a bit of a winter about how hard it is to, uh, to get beer on tap in 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 our local area in in regional Victoria and, and into New South Wales, um, and we've seen that really change recently. We've, we've got a full-time regional sales rep, and and we're trying to support businesses where we can to help them get our beer on tap, and when they do, to to let people know to go and visit them. Um, and, and we're seeing big changes. It's, it's, it's quite quite nice at the moment to see those things change, particularly, you know, just from a consumer's sake. I hope if I have to go to or if I go on a holiday somewhere in, in regional Australia to the coast or whatever, I want to be able to walk in and, and buy a craft beer or a local beer to that region. Um, 
And I think we're seeing that happen uh, quite quickly now. So that's where we'll probably see a big change is, is when um, pubs throughout Australia start start offering um, not only craft beer from the from the main guys, but but look locally and 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 look to have a range of styles rather than just have beer and a craft beer. You know, to have an IPA on tap and a porter on tap. And um, I look forward to those days when when I'm when I've got time off work, just rocking into a pub and and you know being surprised and having a, a nice beer selection. Um, I think that's more to celebrate than rocking into a pub. I'm finding Beachway Tail on tap. I can get that every, every day. I'd be more excited if I could get uh, go to the south coast and get something from um, from now. Or why can't I think of his name? Um, down Hop, on the, the south works. coast, um, rock up. Hop Dog Beer Works. Um, rock in and find his IPA on tap in a in a regional pub. That'd be that'd be a, a, a great moment, I think. And that might uh, lead as as well as anything does into perhaps an opportunity for Ben to spruik up the um, the High Country Hop Festival that's coming up in a couple of weekends' time. Yes, um, our second annual High Country Hop Festival, uh, basically celebrating the hop harvest. Uh, we, we've made this an, an annual event to, to celebrate the fact that the, um, the brewers of the High Country live uh, where hops are grown in Victoria. You know, we, we brew and, and, and breathe and live the same air. Um, that the Ross Trevor Hop Garden and Ellerslie Hops also share. Um, it's an industry that, that's going gangbusters on the back of craft beer throughout the world. Um, Australian hops are pretty big um, overseas at the moment as well. Um, I cringe every time I see a, a, an Australian IPA. I saw one from Cambridge Brewery last night that used a, a, road, a, a yellow Aussie road sign. It was called Galaxy IPA and it had the hopping kangaroo on it um, and some reference to hops and <laughs> And kangaroos, and I said oh, I'm going to make an English beer and just make a reference of it, the Queen, put a picture of the Queen on it. Um, but but <laughs> it's it's nice to see Australian Australian hops being recognised internationally. Um, it also paves the way to to get our beers international beers in the states on the back of Australian hops. Um, so yeah, it's it's just about celebrating the fact that that um, hops are awesome. There is a hop harvest. There are hop varieties that make a difference in beer. You know that's obvious. To probably listeners to this program, but not obvious to, to the rest of the world. So it's just about telling that story about local brewing, um, hops, and, and their success for story, and celebrating that they're a, they're a massive part of craft beer. Um, not every craft beer is hoppy, but but let's face it, the industry. I think we mentioned before, Sierra Nevada and Little Creatures. Um, you know, hops were the were the reason those beers were, were you know well received and well regarded. Um, so it's going to continue to be part of the brewing industry. So. Um, yeah, it's a big chance for us to, um, to talk about hops, also release our wet hop beers, which we've been doing for eight years. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun part of the brewing year. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I guess, a bit of a celebration um, and a chance to, to again, spruik a point of difference that we hear we're in the country. Um, we're hard to visit. It's cost us a lot to get stuff to us and get stuff back to the cities. Um, but the one thing we do have is plenty of plenty of regional produce, and hops is one of those uh, one of those crops. Well, unfortunately, I won't be able to get down uh, this year, Ben. But uh, I'm definitely marked into the calendar for next year. But thank you very much for joining us once again um, on Radio Brews News. Congratulations on the uh, you know, the, the marketing campaign that, that you've launched. And uh, now, is it available for other breweries? I know you've been approached by other breweries who may want to put it on their bottles as well. Are you going to let others? use your uh, logos? Um, I, we haven't put any um, rules around that, but uh, I'd, I'd be flattered if, if, it, if it came to a, to a serious question from from another brewer that, that had similar ideals, and um, I couldn't see why not. It just have to be clear. You, you talked about lines being blurred before, and, and again, um, we wouldn't want it to get undermined. So, um, yeah, I, I'd be open to the question. Um, Definitely, and, and uh, you know, give it more power, I think. Well, Ben Krause, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, all the best down at Bridge Road in Beachwood. No worries. Um, we'll see you guys. Good beer week, maybe, if we, if we don't Absolutely see you before. Absolutely, you will. Nice chatting, Prof. In the garden, what a garden. Only happy faces. There you go, Prof. Uh, mate, I'm... I'm as I listen back to that interview now, I sort of think you know, it, it, it sounded like there was a bit of a man man crush going on uh, 
for, for the intro. Uh, but look, I, I just really, really respect, uh, you know, Ben and everything that he does. So, uh, And it highlights too that, uh, look, it's probably something that, that people who just drink Ben's beers perhaps are unaware of, but uh, his role in the community in terms of, uh, you know, he, he touched on the, you know, the breweries that are around and, and you can add into that, um, you know, Sweetwater, um, uh, Tamanic Cellars, uh, Black Dog as well in that sort of, that, that whole sort of region who are part of the High Country Brewery Trail and, and are really making a, not an effort just to sort of flog the area in terms of, you know, oh yeah, we'll, we'll help you out with, you know, tourism. Um, but genuinely being involved in their in their communities and saying that you know in, like as they were you know the brewery or the or the the brew pub or the or the bar can kind of be a uh, a bit of a, a social hub for a lot of people and Ben's very very much involved in a couple of festivals um, the Celtic Festival and Oktoberfest um, which are really sort of have, have been um, in a in a, a fairly um, you know, real way have, have been driven or, or um, promoted uh, and grown by um, by the guys at, at Bridge Road. Yeah, and he's you know, very involved in the community. And all of, all of the wonderful things that, you know, when people talk about, uh, you know, regional beer or independent beer or craft beer, however you want to label it, he epitomises all of those things. Very plugged in the community, big employer, you know, stays very true to what he started out doing and, uh, and, and is flourishing and succeeding. And, uh, you know, that, that's why I, I, I love that initiative because he nails his, you know, colours to the wall very, very clearly um, and, you know, sets the bar, um, you know, sets the bar fairly high um, but clears it. And, uh, you know, I, I would oh, like to see that. So, you know, I would like to much. see, as we alluded to and we've talked about a couple of times, that it's the honesty of the story is what's much more important to us these days because there are a lot of people across a broad spectrum of business models making great beer. The breweries are staffed by really passionate people, but then you know, represent yourself truly according to your story is you know is something that matters very much to me. Yep, for sure. So uh, now, Prof, uh, just. We are tied up in Good Beer Week. Um, you know, we're sponsors of the Beer Geek program. The program is going to be released very shortly, so keep an eye out for that, listeners. Um, but coming up in the Fitzroy Town Hall, 18th and 19th of March 2016, is the Good, Be Good Beer Week Gala Showcase 2016. Tickets are limited. Um, they are limited the... and they, they sell out very quickly, every yes, time. They released the masterclass schedule yesterday. Um, yesterday, we're recording this on Thursday. This will go out Friday, hopefully. Um, and some great programs. Crafty Pint, uh, James Smith is doing one of his famous blind tastings, um, which is always a great way to really test your palate and test your perceptions and your preconceptions about a beer. Um, Luke, uh, Ale of a Time, uh, Robertson, is doing one on historic beer styles and looking at pale ale. So that would be two Two very, very uh, informed, knowledgeable uh, beer writers, presenters and podcasters there um, doing something. We were invited to do something. Unfortunately, I'm, uh, I can't get down that weekend. I had other commitments and you're tied up uh, doing something as well, Prof. So there'll be no, whilst we are presenting uh, part of Could Be A Week, we won't be actually uh, masterclassing. Uh, no, but I'm sure uh, the, the masterclasses are, are in good hands. And we should also point out that the Good Beer Week program is also launched, officially released on that uh, on that afternoon, the 19th. Or the, or the 18th. Might be the 18th, I think. 18th, yep. It's over okay. the 18th and the 19th. Friday, Saturday, next week. So getting quick week and getting tickets in. Well, <laughs> you, you finished your prof, I've got one Jumping more. ahead. Lockie, jump in. We've got another ad to play to uh, pay the bills. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. And uh, now, Lockie, again, uh, hit us with some uh, cards and letters music. See what he got for us this week. Mail, letters, papers, 
and packages delivered by carrier and train and plane sent and delivered through post regardless of sunshine or rains i think uh lockie's had a bit of a rough week there prof it was a yeah sort of a little bit mournful bit of a uh well yeah. you know down tempo yeah but that's okay it's you know. things up a bit so it's all um I, I, only one card or letter this week prof um let me see. It was uh, last week. I, I think I mentioned um, whilst I was talking Bruce Vegas. I, I just questioned whether there was this underlining underlining current um, within uh, beer festivals that it's still you know trying to kickstart the revolution. That there's this little bit of us against them mindset to it rather than a celebration. Um, maybe that's starting to change. But uh, I, I, I did make the point that you know wine doesn't seem to have the same. You know, we're, we're knocking down walls um, with our festival, and you know, burger. There's no burger festivals. Um, let's see. Will weighed in with a comment saying, "No burger festivals, maybe not in Queensland, Matt." And then sent a link to, uh, let me see, it was the Weekly Review, um, and a the Welcome to Thornbury Burger Festival, Melbourne Fern and Wine, including a monster burger that looks like it's got about half a pig on it. Um, so obviously there are apparently there are burger festivals. So will thank you for that. Um, and 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 there also yeah there's the the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival and the Sydney Food and Wine Festival and the good good food and wine festivals. They are, but they seem to be much Not less. Oh God, can't no, sneak no, through there. Oh, that's changing. That's changing. Oh, it is. The beer is getting in there, but we, you still can't get beer on the banner. We're no, not, we're not well, beer, you know, food and wine and beer festival. No, but you know, with food and drink festival, just doesn't have that same thing. And it, look, oh, mate, there's probably a whole discussion that we could have. We could probably actually that would probably be a great discussion panel one day if if we sit down in the same room. It's something that we'd have to have. And you know, there, there are some really passionate uh, wine guys up here. Tony Harper, um, who have you met Tony? Yeah, before? yeah, yeah at, at Craft. Um, yeah. wonderful guy, incredibly knowledgeable wine guy. Um, but loves drinking beer, you know, so wine is his work, beer is his pleasure. Um, and so he's somebody that certainly has no axe to grind against beer, but he still has very, very clear views about the difference between beer and wine and that, you know, beer is by no means the new wine and that wine is a far different expression of nature and ingredients. And, uh, you know, it's very, very persuasive. So, uh, but then there are a whole lot of people who want to be out there, you know, advocating, saying, you know, um, Beer is the new wine, so maybe we'll put that down in our ideas bin. We'll and put that down on the on, yeah on the wish list. Having a bit of a chat. Um, apart from that, no iTunes listeners. If you do like what we're doing, or even if you hate what we're doing, jump in and uh, you know jump onto iTunes or your favourite podcasting platform um, and give us a review. It helps other people to find it. So if you're giving us good reviews, or you know they see that there's a lot of engagement. They do. It does bump us up a little bit and makes other people, uh, you know, able to find us uh, easily, and it does help us out. Um, we have got one two-star review, but there was no comment left with it. So if you think that we're only worth two stars, weigh in. Tell us why. Um, we're always up for it, as as we said. You know, and we, as I uh, went into great length in saying, so you know, yeah, I, I, I take it on the chin. Um, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, Prof, anything else this week? Uh, is well next week um, when we're recording the show, it will be Brews Vegas about to launch, so Brisbane's big beer festival. Um, yep, and next week, of course, you and I are in uh, in uh, Sin City. In Sin City, yes, podcast uh, from the pub. Virging. Not podcast many, not many. We're about. We've sold about just over half, I think, of the allocation of of tickets. So if you do want to get along and uh, listen to Professor Charlie Bamforth. Um, and have the opportunity to ask him questions and uh, and just just a cracking and it, look just to be part of you know the live recording of the magic that is Radio Brews News. Um, get yeah. amongst it. Uh, you can get it through the through through Brews News. You'll find the links to the um, to to grab your tickets. Only fifteen bucks. I mean, you know, you'll find that down the back of the couch. Fifteen bucks, and for that uh, we've limited the numbers. So our friends at uh, Four Pines have put on a keg, um, and so the, the we've limited about. Uh, 50 uh, people, so everyone will get a couple of beers. Um, so that works out very, very nicely for your 15 bucks. And you get the entertainment that is Pete and I bumbling our way through another episode of Radio Brews News that may or may not ever see the light of day. So you might be part of some radio gold 
that no one else hears. Cutting, just for $15. Cutting room floor <laughs> gold. Is that teasing? Well, Prof. Uh, just before we go, I've got a, I've got a quick follow-up. I've got a, um, a bit of a, from the international desk. Just hot off the wire. Um, for those who may have followed up, uh, we through not not we haven't discussed it on Radio Bruce News, but we've had it through the social media platforms. Um, Mazen Hajar uh, alerted me to it uh, a couple of weeks ago that um, a, a, a group called Craft Beer Guild, which is a um, a, a fairly major you know large distributor of um, of beer in the United States. Um, they're Massachusetts based, um, and they sell. I, I think they've got around about 200 uh, brands uh, from around the US and around the world, and they're also the um, the supplier of uh, Muzzin's uh, 961 uh, Lebanon beer. Uh, got into a bit of trouble. Got caught out uh, for for basically for for pay, uh, pay to play or you know buying taps, which is a, a bit of a, a hot button topic here at the moment, and the um, the. They were threatened with the, the original fine was going to be a ninety day license suspension, so they wouldn't have been able to trade for uh, for ninety days. And they sort of argued, uh, and and you could, you know, it's a that's a fairly hefty cop. Um, they have negotiated with the um, the Alcoholic Beverages Control Commission, I think it is in in Massachusetts, um, that instead of the ninety day suspension. They uh, could agree to pay a fine, which was equal to 50% of its daily gross profit, multiplied by the number of days that the license was going to be suspended. Um, so 90 times whatever that was, it comes out to about 2.6 US million. So that's a that's a fair fine. That's a fair fine. I, I guess we should differentiate between um, the Australian market and the US market in that the whole idea of pay to play. Is strictly verboten in 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 the, in the US, um, and, and it's also cool. linked, Matt, with the fact that a brewer can't sell his uh, beers directly to the consumer. So it's got to go through one of these companies. Yeah, yeah. So, but and it goes back to the payola scandal of the '60s, where music was paid, and so they're, they're very funny about that. But in yes. in, in Australia, it, it, it's quite okay, quite acceptable for well, at least until the ACCC rules otherwise um, for. Brewers to have financial arrangements with um, hotels, so it, it's not directly relevant here. Um, and our now systems, a three-tiered system in the US, makes it different to here. Yeah, but, but, the, probably, but the concept, the concept of being able to use your heft or being able to uh, through whatever means, um, it, it really comes down to the thing: do is a, is is buying a tap really as uh, yeah? Look, everyone does it, or it's good business, or you know, whatever it might be. Um, there's, there are lots of arguments, uh, and I'd, I'd love to put a panel together and, and, and have a, um, a, a full-on crack at, uh, at, at pulling this apart because I've got some very strong ideas on it. Uh, I, my opinion has probably changed speaking to, to certain people over, over the last... I'm with you. Yeah, so. my, my opinion has changed dramatically, and, and not so much just from speaking to people, but just seeing the way that the market operates. Um, you know, everyone complained, you know, 10 years ago, everyone was complaining about tap contracts. You know, it was just unanimous. Everyone, every small brewer was saying how evil and nefarious um, tap contracts were. But then as you start to see bigger play, you know, people start to break away from the pack in terms of size or even the thing that enables some guys to start building their breweries and really committing investment in their brewery, is the consistency of uh, supply that they know that they're going to get. And that often, whether it's a formal contract of, you know, of X or installing taps in return, having the beer poured or contributing to the taps or even just giving really good deals on taps that amount over time to the same sort of payment. Um, you know, that's, we, we, we are seeing that more and more, even among some people who probably, you know, thought at the start of their careers that they were a bad thing. Yeah, I still think I, I I think they're a lot worse than what I originally thought. Oh, you think they're worse? Do you? Okay. Yeah, I just think there are a couple of um, consequences that I perhaps hadn't taken into consideration. Just in terms of you know we we, we trumpet you know how good it is to have um, diversity and range and, and all that sort of thing. And at the end of the day, you know the market will decide and all that sort of thing. But you think about it if if a, a brewer that has a couple of um, you know good let's call them entry level or gateway or whatever you want to you know everyday kind of beers. 
um, and you manage to tie up a tap, you're not going to put on your eight and a half percent double IPA or uh, you know an experimental saison on that tap eight. The reality is that we're going to now tie up a tap with a an everyday beer, and you know out of those ten taps, perhaps you've got six or seven brewers doing the same thing. Where's it? You know, do we risk then? You know, uh, sacrificing our you know, diversity and range and Anyway, as I look, it's, it's probably not something that right at the end of uh, everyone listening to the podcast, but it's a good teaser for, you know, for an upcoming Absolutely it is. An upcoming and, chat. And, and, yeah. Look, I would, that's why I, I actually think it's probably worth giving it a little bit, um, you know, spur of the moment is probably not bad. So keep people listening right to the very end. Um, but yeah, no, I, look, I, that, that might be another one that we uh, set, set up as a uh, forum um, for, uh, actually, we, we've got the cryo malt. Um, corporate lounge or the corporate, corporate trade lounge. The brewers, brewers trade yeah. lounge. We might be able to even make that a late inclusion. Um, yeah. So for those who are, that's um, a Good Beer Week, the Wednesday of, of Good Beer Week. Yes. Uh, 18th upstairs, upstairs at Beer Deluxe. Beer Deluxe at Fed Square. I mean, it'll be, hopefully we're not breaking any program embargoes um, for the Good Beer Week program. But uh, anyway, yeah, so keep an eye out. We might even look at doing that. But uh, yeah, no, Prof, I look at, I think particularly, I think some of the best conversations come about when you and I are on opposite sides of the fence, uh, you know, lobbing coconuts at each other. Bring it on. <laughs> Prof, always great to chat. Looking forward to catching up with you next Sunday in Sydney. But we'll actually, we'll be recording one more podcast before then. Um, but I am looking forward to it. And uh, in, in the meantime, uh, have a great week and uh, keep keep drinking and keep on. Well, actually, that sounded terrible. Don't keep drinking. Yeah. No. Keep on keeping the faith, whatever faith that is for you. Drink fresh, nice? drink local. Yeah, that's good. Drink fresh, drink local. Like All that. things being equal, equal, drink local. That's it. Have a conversation. Have a beer. How's that? Take it, take it away, band. <laughs>